Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Believe in Everything Auburn is brought to you by Bet Online, your number one source for all championship finals, info, stats, news, and scores. You can get the latest odds and lines and the latest matchup reports for this year's NBA and Stanley Cup finals. Bet Online is your sports intel headquarters this season as they have you covered for all insider sports wagering needs from basketball and hockey to MLB, UFC, and even boxing. The fastest and easiest way to get your betting info, including live betting options and your favorite casino and card games available, available to play right from your home. Get into the action today and head to the website or use a mobile device to join and be sure to use our promo code BELIEVE, that is B-L-E-A-V, and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Campbell in the end zone. Caught. Touchdown, Auburn. Touchdown, Auburn. They're not keeping this buck off this field tonight. 100 yards. Can you believe it? I still can't believe it. Now presenting Believe in Everything Auburn with your hosts, Taylor Davis and Jason Campbell. More Eagle, everybody. Welcome back to Believe in Everything Auburn. Taylor Davis. Jason Campbell. We're glad that you have joined us. We are back after a week away. Um, I just returned from Oklahoma City working the Women's College World Series, which was incredible and a very busy, exciting week. So podcast just wasn't able to happen last week. We apologize, but that's what happens. Jay and I are busy people. We got a lot going on, so we appreciate the flexibility. But nonetheless, we are back and excited to break down everything happening in and around the Plains. And who better to catch us up on all of that than the legend himself, Jason Campbell. And uh, Jay, there's always plenty for you and I to catch up about once we get on the mic. And I know that you, probably more than ever, are staying so tight to the program and and doing so much with NIL collectives and just your efforts of of being really an ambassador for the program, which is awesome. And um, I've seen that you've gotten an opportunity to chat even with some of the newer guys, including Peyton, as he has made his way to Auburn and is settling in. So we're going to try and get him on this podcast as well. It's just been a whirlwind for him the past few weeks. But first impressions of of our new QB on campus. Yeah, what a lot to talk about today. Truly. Uh, when you think about it, I got a chance to talk to, to Peyton Thorne last week, and he's excited about the new opportunity. And shockingly, he said he wasn't even going to transfer until like five weeks left in the transfer portal. And really? He, yeah, he said he was stuck at staying at Michigan State. Huh. And then all of a sudden, you know, he sat down, talked with his family, and he felt like he just wanted to go somewhere where there was probably more of an offensive mind uh, you know, head coach and offensive minded, you know, offense coordinator. And yeah, and he saw the opportunity to he freeze presents and coach Montgomery being together as a two tandem, you know, where they're both like very, very intelligent minds when it comes to offense. Yeah. And uh he felt like to better his opportunity, you know, career wise, you know, why not take this opportunity to come to Auburn and be a part of this turnaround? Um yeah. he understands the competition that he's got to compete with with Robbie, got to compete with Holden Gurner, 
and uh, and everything. He said himself, he's been in that position at Michigan mm. State where someone else came in and he was already there. And, yeah. you know, so he can kind of understand how the guys may be feeling and everything. But at the same time, they all have to compete. But, you know, they'll sit and talk together in the room because at the end of the day, we're all on the same team. Yeah. Uh, one thing I got from him, though, was a lot of maturity. Uh, he taught very, very mature. You can tell that he's been a, a seasoned vet. He's been a starter for two years plus, I think, at Michigan State. Uh, he's won a lot of games the year before. Uh, yeah. Last year, the season wasn't so great, but the year before, they won a lot of games. Uh, Mel Tucker's first year there, I think, um, mm -hmm. before he signed a big extension. Uh, but when you talk about, you know, from a leadership standpoint, that's kind of what this team's been lacking. Yeah. You know, we haven't had a lot of leadership over the last two years with this football, with this program. And uh, anytime everyone always think a quarterback is automatically a leader. No, that's not so. I was just like a quarterback has to be someone first that leads by example. Mm -hmm. And then others will follow. And then you have to be a voice of reasoning, but you have to know when to speak. Yeah. You, know, you can't just always be, you know, a talker talker. Like you have to know when to say something, when to lead, when to just lead by example, and when to put your arms around your teammates and say, hey, let's go. You know, I got you. Those are the type of things that you have to understand as a, as a leader. So overall, I thought that was a great conversation with him. Good. Uh, football program last week had a outstanding camps. Like I'm talking about 500 kids plus at Jeez. each of these camps. And Auburn hasn't had this in a very, very long time. I'm talking about wow. high school, college, high school teams all across the state of Alabama, all across the state of Georgia all going to Auburn and competing on seven on seven camps. That's where you really get a chance to recruit at is as a coach is when all these kids are on your campus and why not show off this hundred million dollar facility? Why not, you know, show these kids that are 2025 recruits and everything. Yeah. What they got a chance to look forward to. So I thought it was outstanding week last week with, with everything and the camps continue this week. So we'll have even more kids on campus this week. <laughs> it is night and day different just the energy and the involvement and the effort around the program this year versus the last two. But we are getting closer and closer to season. So a couple football things that I did want to touch on real quick. The first three game times and networks have also been announced, if you were curious. So kickoff against UMass is going to be 2.30 Central kick, but it is going to be televised on ESPN, which... It didn't, yeah, it's going to be real hot. <laughs> but usually a game like that would be broadcasted on ESPN Plus or SEC Network, but it is ESPN. And I think it's because of the question marks, you know, what, who's going to be the quarterback? Hugh Freeze is back in the SEC. Like Auburn is going to be a storyline this year for better or for worse. There's curiosity around it. And that is showcased in programming when you've got ESPN broadcasting UMass against Auburn, no slide to UMass game two at Cal is going to be a 9 30 PM central time kickoff. So it's going to be a late one for us in central time because Obviously, the team will be out on the West Coast. That one is also going to be on ESPN, expected. So we got back-to-back -back ESPN. And then the 16th versus Samford at home will be a 6 p.m. game, and that one will be ESPN Plus or SEC Network Plus. So just wanted to update on that. The other update football-related was the last thing we talked about on our last episode, that the SEC meetings were debating the potential schedule format once Oklahoma and Texas join the conference. Right. So what was decided 
for 2024. Let's also make sure we're clear on that. This could be revisited, likely will be revisited and changed in years to come. But as far as 2024, those schedules got to get set and rolled out pretty soon. And so they needed to make a decision for 24. So they are going to stick with eight conference games for the 2024 season with Texas and Oklahoma joining. So they are going to do away with divisions. And that was something we didn't really touch on last week, but that's a a part of this too. You know, are we going to keep divisions and just add? And does that mean Auburn moves? Because if we're doing it geographically, you know, Oklahoma and Texas would be West. So there have always, there's always been speculation around how we were going to handle divisions. We are eliminating divisions, which I think is the way that a lot of power five are going to go. And I think it kind of makes the most sense anyway, especially when you've got a very dominant conference, they're going to send the top two teams in the 16 team standings to the sec championship starting in 2024 teams are still required to play at least one non-conference opponent from another power five league. So uh, give me your thoughts on that decision. You said on our last episode that you think eventually this thing goes to a nine, nine game conference schedule. They talked about needing the committee to basically talk about how they're going to view it when it comes to playoff implications, uh, the scheduling and, and just also ESPN money because ESPN contractually does not have to pay to broadcast another one of those games. And so they've got to get ESPN to kind of agree to that. They've got to get the committee to kind of talk about their view on it before implementing that. So this is definitely a temporary thing with the potential of going to nine down the road. Almost definitely this is temporary. Uh, one thing about this, they're not going to lose money and they're not going to leave money on the table. Right. Uh, when you're thinking about as an overall, yes, they're going to play eight games in the SEC next year. And like you said, going away from, from SEC East and SEC West, the reason they will move to nine games after 2024 season, I believe, is the fact that they want to keep the rivalry games there. They want yeah. to keep the Georgia-Auburn. They want to keep the LSU-Auburn. They want to keep, you know, Auburn-Alabama, Georgia-Tennessee, Georgia-Florida, you know, LSU-Florida, all these rivalry games they want to keep. Mm-hmm. So in order for them to keep those rivalry games, they're going to have to go to nine games. And you gonna want Oklahoma and Texas to play each other as well. Because yeah. that's another rivalry game that's already been established in the Big 12. Yes. And, and and then they come over to the SEC. So you think about Texas A&M and Texas. That's a rivalry game instantly. You know, so there's a lot of rivalry games that's going to be created within this uh, whole process. And nine games, if you're a fan, you got to love the fact that there's a possibility of going to nine games. No disrespect to any other conference, but if you're Auburn and you're playing a lesser conference team and you're coming to watch a 52 to 14 game, like, is that the real experience? Right. You know, like, but when you come to an SEC game, it's a different feel, it's a different atmosphere. And totally. now you're getting your money's worth if you're a season ticket holder. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, there's three games on the schedule, no more that you were going to look at and be like, oh, you know, this is a cupcake game. I'd take somebody else. But no, you have nine games and then you have two games. And depending on who those two games are, could be competitive. Uh, so yeah. you got to think that I do think it's going to go to nine games. I do think that ESPN will want to pick up a ninth game. They will want, the, they will want that money. Yes. Uh, SEC Agreed. will want the money as well. And, yeah, you know, that's the reason the SEC is the most powerful conference in college sports as it goes. Yeah. Uh, that's the reason we're sitting here today. You know, it's 
nothing has been the same constant. Have you ever remembered a year where the rules were the same? Like the rules change yearly. Yeah, it's so <laughs> you true. know, everything is just always changing. Like, so it's almost like you have to relearn the game of football each every year. year. Every year I have to go back myself and look at the rule book. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Know, because there's always something changing. So, yep. you know, I definitely think it's going to be really fun. Uh, I hope Auburn gets to play Tennessee a lot more than we've been able to play. Mm-hmm. That's always mm-hmm. been a fun game and a big robbery game. Uh, people don't really know that much about it, but I've always enjoyed playing Tennessee. And yeah. I've always enjoyed going to Tennessee on the river up there and playing that stadium is so game. cool. My two favorite night stadiums to play in outside of the jungle, Auburn, is LSU and Tennessee. Yep. Now we played in Florida one time at nighttime. That was fun too, because mm-hmm. everybody get the swaying back and forth and your eyes get dizzy if you look at it. But night atmosphere games in the SEC is what's gonna be fun to because CBS was primetime slots, 3 30 Eastern, 2 30 Central. I love those games because you can get done early enough to watch other games. Yeah, true. Not getting up too early. Yeah. Uh, for your game. But if you once you go to ESP and ABC, there's gonna be a lot more night games. Yeah. And uh so it could potentially, you know, be great for college football. Yeah. No, I don't think anyone is gonna shy away from wanting more TV windows, especially when the matchups are high caliber games. We're not asking, you know, for money to add more non-conference Mac right. opponents, you know, no shot to Mac. I mean, Mac games are fun. You know what I mean? <laughs> but this is a day and age where the SEC is running college football. And oh, by the way, we're about to add two of the biggest brands in sports as well. So yeah. from a business perspective, no one's turning that down. Those things just take time and they take time to work out and negotiate. Yeah. So this kind of feels like a, a band-aid in a way, like here's what we're going to do because we have to make a decision for 2024 right now. And then we're going to figure this out as it as it evolves and as it grows and as they settle into the conference. But and the other part of it too is basketball. People yeah. don't realize how this impact basketball and baseball huge yeah. and golf. Like mm-hmm. Texas has a really good golf program. Yeah. Uh, when you talk about basketball, Texas and Oklahoma are always two of the better teams in the country. And, mm-hmm. and so you add that to already a tough SEC basketball schedule. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, baseball, Texas. Yeah. <laughs> Texas literally is playing for game three tonight. Could potentially be going to Omaha again. They were there last year. Oklahoma Gymnastics. SEC is definitely the most dominant conference in terms of depth. But Oklahoma's been winning the national championships yearly. Like, it's we are adding two very strong brands across all sports. Right. This thing is becoming a multi-conference power who's be power conferences what is going to happen over the next two years you know ucla yeah. and usc going to the big 10 think about it. you think big 10 you always thought northeastern yes states you know now it still USC, makes no sense to me ucla going to the big 10 so what happens now you know ucf is going to now big 12 cincinnati going to the big 12 what happens now to Clemson, Florida States? Do Notre Dame go to the ACC? Do Notre Dame go to the Big Ten? Uh, you know, like, what's going to happen? Because 
it's going to become a multi-conference thing where it's going to be about 16 to 20 teams in each conference. Yeah. And what they're going to do is with a 12-team playoff is take the top two teams probably from mm-hmm. some of these conferences that sell for the SEC may get two in because they're hard, they have harder schedules. Yeah. So, yeah. No, the ACC is going to have to figure something out because it is definitely – they are going to get overlooked very quickly. I think the Pac-12 is freaking out. I mean, there were rumors that the Pac-12 and the ACC were going to join, and it was just going to be like a conglomerate of both. But, I mean, we also are just like completely disregarding geography now. Like, <laughs> right. did you see the tweet? I, was it USC's schedule? Somebody did the mat, the flights, yeah. and it was like the flight map because they have a game in Hawaii. Yeah, they're literally like they are going to log more miles over the course of their football season than like is like I can't even conceptualize it. And I fly all the time. I I am used to a lot of travel, but they are going cross country and back every week. Like it is stupid, honestly, like I, I it doesn't make any sense. So we have just completely disregarded any of that. So at this point. Anything could happen. I, I would think that, you know, the Pac-12 and the ACC joining was actual BS. But now I'm like, who the frick knows? And the more strength that the SEC gets, I think these other conferences are going to have to hit the panic button. Well, they're going to have to hit the button because it comes to revenue, TV contracts. So if you're going to have USC fly all the way to Michigan and play and UCLA fly all the way, <laughs> like, you're right, geographically has – no one cares. Nothing anymore. to do with it. Nope. You know, like you can't even say we're going to try to stay in this region. They don't even care about the fans getting to games anymore because Can they realize, imagine? like, hey, so now you got to have hotel expenses and flights. So for a SEC fan or just a normal fan to travel and go see a game from East Coast to West Coast, you're looking at minimum $1,800 to $2,000. It's insane. That doesn't even include your ticket price that you got to no. pay for your tickets. Tickets should be free. If any of their fans are willing to go that far, they get a free ticket to the game. Like, that's just insane. Where it gets interesting is, like you just said, when weather comes into effect, Mm -hmm. you know, you're a USC person. Do you want to drive out, fly all the way to Michigan in November (laughs) where you're going from 75 degrees to 25? No. (laughs) No. You know, there's just things like that you got to think about, like, mm-hmm. you know, so that's going to be, it's going to be really fun and interesting because change is inevitable. You know, yeah. I always tell people, how do you adapt to change or you fade out? And yes. uh, so, you know, you have to adapt to the new system in a new ways. This definitely bodes well for the conference and for the respective schools being a part of it. And they will make sure that they are set up well as the SEC continues to get some of the best athletes in the country without question. So that's how 2024 will start out and we will see what transpires from there. Also, before we touch on the college world series, I did want to go ahead and give a shout out to some former Auburn football standouts that are on the 2024 college football hall of fame ballot. And I'm not entirely sure why he hadn't been yet, but Keo (laughs) spikes is on there. And when I saw that, I was like, he isn't already on there? Like, what? Right. But 
Takiyo Spikes, Ed King, and Greg Carr are all three on the 2024 College Football Hall of Fame ballot that was announced on Monday. The class will be announced in January, and the formal induction will take place December 10th, 2024, in Vegas during the NFF Awards Dinner. The ballot features 78 players and nine coaches from the FBS. So congratulations to all three of them. Takiyo, I definitely thought you were already on there, buddy, but we're proud of you. Um, also wanted to go ahead and say that Auburn basketball has added another transfer and another Juco guy. We've talked about Bruce Pearl (laughs) likes to find those diamonds in the rough and give them their big shot. And he has done that this time with forward Adderon Scott. Uh, He is coming to Auburn from Navarro College in Texas. He projects to be a strong option off the bench next season for the Tigers, standing at six foot nine. He brings size and skill to the front court. Last season at Navarro, averaging 9.3 points, 6.8 rebounds, and 1.3 blocks per game. So look, Bruce Pearl is bolstering this roster, looking to add little pieces here and there. And uh, we know that he he likes those guys he's talked about it that maybe have been overlooked, maybe aren't the big names. I mean, sometimes he gets those two, i.e. Walker Kessler, Jabari. I get it. <laughs> but some of these transfers, he definitely goes for guys that maybe aren't the uh-huh. the most heavily analyzed and and gives them their shot knowing that they're going to take advantage of it. So Another one to the list. And six guys that are six, seven or more on this basketball team this year coming up. Yep. You know, this is something we talked about in depth last year was about how how short a link we were compared against the the Bamas and the Kentuckys when we play against them. You know, we fight Mm -hmm. extremely hard, but at the end, we get wore down because, Mm -hmm. you know, that size does matter, especially, you know, when you're playing a schedule like we have to play. So, to be uh, to get Janiah back and to get Jalen back, and then to add these other big time transfers that are hungry but add so much yeah. length, and then you have the young buck uh, Holloway coming in at the guard position, and then you know talking with Trey Donaldson earlier today, you know he is so pumped and so excited about the opportunity. He felt like towards the end of the year last year, he finally came into his own. He finally started shooting ball with confidence, and I didn't notice that. He played for Charlie Ward in high school. Oh, I didn't football. know. Yeah, so he played. He was he was a football player. He was a quarterback and a DB. Wow. And he also, you know, played for Charlie Ward as wow. well. So, you know, he just talked about, you know, him and his team this year being very, very close over the last three weeks that they've been together. He said last year, honestly, they were not a close team. Hmm. And he said – you know, this year there's already more co- cohesiveness. They're already more togetherness. Yeah. Last year it just wasn't that way. And uh, he said he doesn't feel good just about making an NCAA tournament. He said that really doesn't matter. He said what matters is going deep into the tournament. Totally. You know? So it just goes to show me their mindset is in the right place. Yeah. And they're thinking deeper than just getting to the tournament and they want to ride some momentum going to the tournament. So this team is going to look totally different. Uh, from a height standpoint, but I'm looking forward to seeing this Holloway kid push the ball because he can shoot yeah. as well. And I think Bruce Pearl is trying to get back to a 2019 format. Yeah. Get outside shooters with some form of presence in the inside. Well, that definitely fits the bill of what he's looking for. And uh, we look forward to seeing how all of that transpires as well. Now, unfortunately for the baseball team, their season ended at regionals. Wah, wah, wah. We were so thrilled to host regionals back to back 
The field seemed really set up well for us hosting Penn, Southern Miss, and Samford. And we fell game one to Penn, unfortunately, and then game two to Southern Miss. So we lost in two. Um, still a, a fun season. Look, this thing looked like it was going off the tracks quickly midway through the season, and they rallied and they persevered and ended up hosting a dang regional, and everyone thought they were going to be a team to watch out for. So plenty to be proud of, and we'll definitely you know, expect big things from this program once again next season. It's kind of like you know, talking about the basketball program. You almost expect to be part of the tournament now. Like These coaches have – created that standard with their respective programs, the baseball, the basketball programs, just making the tournament in it anymore, you know, but that that's a sign of the growth and and that's a sign of the success that we've had. So um, congratulations to the guys. Nonetheless, I know they were very disappointed, but Southern Miss is, is the team that ultimately came out of our regional and supers have been happening this weekend. Southern Miss is actually playing Tennessee in supers and game three has been forced. They are tied one and one with the Vols. And that game is probably on right now or will be. I think it's 6 p.m. Central, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. So we'll see who comes out of that. The two SEC teams that are definitely guaranteed a spot in Omaha are the Gators and the Tigers. LSU and Florida will be heading back. Feels like 20. Was that 2017 when that was the championship, Florida LSU? But nonetheless, it really was an unsuspecting tournament. I mean, you had. Vanderbilt, who just dominated the SEC tournament and had all eyes on them. They also lost, you know, in their regional. That's what Um, happened to Tennessee last year. What? And what happened to Tennessee last year? Oh, yeah. Everyone (laughs) expected – it was Tennessee's year last year. And then, Mm boom, Vandy gets beat out. Arkansas gets beat out. Texas A&M got beat out. Like, it it really did not – pan out as expected in the tournament but i have to expect lsu to win it just because they're pitching do you yeah they're two aces is these guys they're throwing 100 miles per hour with ease i know both of them should be pitching in the major leagues right now they definitely should it's it's crazy (laughs) they're in college like still pitching so i expect both of them to be top five picks next year uh or robbers about it like fresno state i believe is the last four seed to win to win it all wow. if i'm not mistaken okay and or roberts gets in beating oklahoma state and now they're finding themselves Oregon. in the college world series like i said if anyone beats lsu in those two pitchers they deserve to win the national championship True. True. because pitching is what wins national championships yeah you know that's what got old miss hot last year behind those two big arm guys Ooh, that they had. yeah and they was got hot offensive. They was hitting the same way with LSU. So that is uh, definitely exciting. Hopefully, look, you know the Vols want to redeem themselves from last year as well. I that know. was that was a heartbreaker for them last year. So if they win tonight, the SEC will have three of the eight. And if you are at all curious about behind the scenes of the College World Series, look no further because your girl is heading to Omaha on Wednesday and I will be covering the SEC teams that are in Omaha. So make sure you follow me on social media at Taylor Beth Davis and we'll be doing a bunch of behind the scenes content, player interviews, coaching interviews, kind of show you what their experience is like in Omaha beyond the game. So um, really excited. It's one of my favorite events. So we'll be out there doing all of that. 
Um, also, congratulations to Oklahoma for winning the Women's College World Series in two games. That team only lost one game all season, including wow. their tournament run. They lost one of their games in a series with Baylor, and otherwise, it's an NCAA Division One record fifty. Yeah, so they got to be best college team of all times. Fifty-two. I mean, it, there is so much talk about this team going down in history. That's their third consecutive national championship. The only other team to win three straight was UCLA. If they win next year, if they four Pete, that is the first time ever. So. And they come into our conference. Yep. My point. Exactly. <laughs> now just the rich get richer, but hats off to them. I had a blast covering them this past week. It was just insane to see the athleticism that that team has top to bottom Florida state runner up. Um, and, and they had a great run as well. So I think that's all of my sports. Oh, who you got tonight? Miami, Denver. Oh, shoot. This series is over. I, I so uh, I had a little bit of hope that this thing could go game six or game seven, uh, after game two, when Miami went to Denver and showed up and stole one. And yeah. then all of a sudden, game three and four, they played good the first half. And then all of a sudden, it's just they unraveled late in the games. I'm just like, where's the shooting that they I were know. doing against Boston? Against Boston, they were just lights out. Mm -hmm. Now in the finals, you know, you can't find the shooters. You know, where's <laughs> Vincent? Where's Martin? You know, where, where's the shooters? Yeah. You know, uh, but Miami is a very scratchy team. So I do think Miami wins tonight. Oh, okay. Uh, I don't think they're a team that goes away easily. Denver would love to close it on their home court. Right. But the hardest thing to do to a team is to close someone out. Yeah. And, you know, they're playing for their lives, literally. Right. So, you know, the pressure's on Denver a little bit tonight. They know they got sure. a game they can kind of give away, but you don't ever want to think that way. You Especially know, at home. Right. You want to try to close that thing at home tonight. So I'll be watching, uh, hopefully, with some good food in my hands. So we'll see. But, Always. Uh, <laughs> Before we wrap it up, my laptop is on 2% and it's definitely going to die. You had a quick golf update for us? Yeah, I just said our men's team had a historic golf year. You know, they finished 278.70 team average. Uh, Woo. You know, we had four guys that was named Ping All-American team. Cool. Uh, and so, yes, our, our team finished top 10 and uh, nice. one of the top, one of the best seasons they've, they've had in many, many years. So this uh, awesome. coach Nick is doing a great job with our Auburn program uh, golf. So, you know, these guys look forward to competing and they hosted the regional yep. this year. True so, that. You know, another they, one. They, another one. So there's a lot Several of good things happening. Always. Happening. Several impressive programs on the plains, no doubt. Well, that is going to do it for us here on Believe in Everything Auburn. As always, Jason, I greatly appreciate you all listening and following along. If you haven't already, subscribe so you get a notification every time we release a new episode. We will be back next week. Maybe I'll be live from Omaha, TBD. And make sure you follow us along so you can get all the info on that. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week. War Eagle. War Eagle. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. 
And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.